This evening we're beginning a weekend retreat together and in this the opening talk for the retreat I would like to speak to you a little bit about the, the field of meditation it, the practice and application of meditation and also a little bit if I may about the background to it and it's usefulness, if any, in our living situation. One of the things which is occurring and occurring by some necessity in our society is a growing recognition that we don't have all the answers and we see that for many of us we have been, one might say, prescribed to live in a certain way with certain values, all too common and similar and we set our life in a certain kind of direction and often one which has certain priorities to it increasing specialization, acquisition privilege, status, profit. And these influences, these major social influences, tend, with what one might say alarming frequency, to determine the way our life goes, what we do with our life, what we consider to be of true worth and value. And any inquiry and, in quest and questioning of life is not such that it negates these, but gets them into some kind of perspective, begins to see the relevance of a life of work, of a career, of relationship, of income, but begins to see that area or those areas of life in relationship to other things which are equally as important, including inner awareness, self-knowledge and understanding, an awareness of genuine heartfelt awareness of social issue, issues, of justice, of our whole relationship to life in its immediacy, in its totality. So centres such as these, such as the Insight Centre here and other such facilities of varying persuasions, spiritual persuasions, offer, offer each one of us an opportunity to look at our values, to look at what's happening in our life, to where we're putting our focus, what we're thinking about and to see whether or not we need to look more carefully and deeply into our own existence. And what we have been seeing in the last few years 
10, 15 years especially, is a small but growing degree of questioning. And this questioning is finding that if we haven't got all the answers, and if no group, no society, no culture actually has, that if we are prepared to open our hearts and minds a little bit, perhaps we can draw from some of the wisdom which is in other parts of the world. And that, again, brings you, (coughs) to some degree, certainly brings me, (coughs) into a situation like this, where one is drawing upon some old wisdom and endeavouring in a small way to bring it into a contemporary setting. And one might say it belongs to a rather vast old tradition of, of wisdom, which includes the field of meditation and all that is implied in it. It includes, too, the field of diet, includes the field of exercise, of yoga, of medicine, such as acupuncture, of living in a more thoughtful and caring way. And so there's been a long tradition of this in certain parts of the East, not much left of it, unfortunately, these days. And some of us, one might say, had the privilege of spending some years in the East, drawing of what one felt was the best, leaving behind what one felt was unnecessary and unsatisfactory, and then coming back here to the West to share a little bit of what we have learnt. And in that process, such as myself, having went to the East in 67, came back to the West in 77, and have been doing little speaking, teaching over these years, in making that transmission, that small transmission from the East to the West, part of that has been towards communicating it in a way which connects with where you and I are at at this present time. In drawing from this, whatever I might say, pool of wisdom of the East, I think it's rather important to understand that Any kind of inner work and inner learning and looking at oneself and meditation is an extraordinarily effective tool for that. It's not in any way that one is doing it in order to identify with and adopt some other belief system in any way. Once we do that, once we say we we start taking some ideas and we start imitating them, we start identifying them, in some way or other, it acts as a break on actually looking carefully 
at the fact of our existence. So in using the Eastern tradition, in this case, say, the, the uh, beneficial influences of the Buddhist tradition, it's mostly in terms of some of the form, some of the application of the methods and the techniques, some of the skills which can be developed in order to facilitate going deeply. So in other words, it's regarding the traditions really as a tool for you to look and see carefully what's happening right now in my life. And that I feel is a, a distinction between listening to something and reading something and then just simply adopting that message, adopting that set of beliefs and stopping oneself from actually seeing what's actually happening for me. So I would make there, if I may say, something of a distinction in terms of what the spiritual life is and what religion is. Religion is something which one believes. It might be true, it might not be true, but one generally believes. Spirituality certainly can contain that factor, no question. But the emphasis is on what is one experiencing inwardly. Where is the, the beauty inwardly? Where is the love inwardly? Where is the compassion inwardly? Where is the clarity? Where is the integrity? And for that, we look, we observe, we go into, we explore, we find out. And so the best of a spiritual tradition is it says, yes, this is possible, for that one may believe. Yes, this is possible. Here are some tools to make it possible. And that's the important thing. Not, not this, these, these images, not the various religious reminders that one can see in a place like, like here. These can be useful, as, as I say, as a reminder, as a pointer, as an indicator of something spiritual that can be found with us as human beings. But that's all. So in a, in a period of time, and we have a, just a short period together here, a weekend together, let it be that this weekend that we have together is something of a small contribution towards our looking inwardly with care. For some of you who are here, it's 
such that you are familiar with the setting of the center here. You've come a number of times, possibly for weekends, for longer periods of time, for even the, the three-month session in the autumn. And for others, it, perhaps your first time here, first time of coming into a situation where the emphasis is on meditation and coming to a center, if I may say myself, which has established over the years since its uh, conception some ten years ago, a sound reputation for spiritual work and practice which each year brings about more and more people coming here to engage in practice. And in your coming in, into this setting, whether you've been here before or whether it's a completely fresh situation for you, is one which in either case takes some time to settle into. And one is coming from, a, from the travel to get here, from work or from relationships or from busyness and so forth, and one brings one's whole mind-body into this situation and it presents in coming here quite a contrast. And so in, in making that contrast from where you are coming from to here, one also has to be rather patient with oneself. There are many situations in our life, and this is just one of them, where we go from a situation into a new situation, and in coming to the fresh situation, it's also one of coming into, settling into it. Settling into, if you are sitting on the floor, to sitting on a cushion, to sitting on a, a stool, or to sitting in a chair and being rather still or whatever. All of that is part of the contrast of, from where one is coming from to this situation. And it can be very easily that it happens for us that given the fact that there are a hundred or more, in fact, of us here in the meditation hall, one can rather easily spend one's weekend in wondering and speculating about the hundred-odd other people in the room. And this can be an ongoing form of entertainment. However, it's not quite the purpose of being here, and for that it would be better to be at a baseball match or something. Else. So in coming into the situation here, the emphasis is the short period of time, and one is not asking people to make a lifestyle out of it, that in coming into situation more, it's an inward looking. And in coming to the inward looking, all of the outer, or at least to quite some degree, is for this period of time taken care of for us, for all of us, for you and for me. In other, in other words, the, the, the cooking and the the communications and the cleaning and the working and the traveling and so on and so forth, all of that pretty well is absent from our period of time here. So we're not so much outwardly involved over these couple of days, 
more inwardly directed. And in that being more inwardly directed, the day itself is simplified considerably. And one might say it has its, to some degree rather, its parallels in the old tradition. The old tradition, like for some of us when we were monks or, or nuns, things were simplified to help see and be more aware inwardly. So our world, our environmental situation was made easier within the monastic setup. What is taking place in this transmission now from the east to the west is that something of a similar atmosphere is established so that women and men can come to a situation like this somewhat having a spiritual or monastic feel to it and through periods of time, weekends and longer can gain some inner renewal and inner strength and understanding to live more wisely in this tortured planet. So the centre such as here is a chance, an opportunity to give some nourishment, spiritual nourishment to our inner life which given the tremendous demands and pressures that we live under can so easily be neglected. And because of its neglect we see the world is the way that it is. So we come from a situation generally more uh, active to a situation of certain quietness. We come from a situation more complicated to one which is somewhat simplified. And in making this uh, transition to the situation, it's rather important, I feel, to remember and to understand in the time that you are here that you are not practicing, you're not developing meditation or working on yourself or me, working on myself just for oneself. If that was the case, personally I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother to teach, I wouldn't bother to come. Because it seems that nobody can live in isolation. Our life is extraordinarily social and all the implications of what it means to be a human being and to be very much a social human being. So the how you are as a person, how I am, has its direct bearing, its influence, its impact in the life of others. <coughs> so we're working on ourselves and going and getting in touch with ourselves <coughs> and hopefully becoming more clear about life and its realities has its beneficial impact and influence in the world around. Now if our mind is violent, fearful, anxious, aggressive, compulsive, unsatisfactory, whatever mode, that tends, because of the nature of our life, to generate itself. 
So a practice and a spiritual life in its true sense is never an isolated activity. One engages in it because one is working to bring more life and hope into this world. Not for you, not for me, not for I, whoever I am, but to bring more light and life into this world. And at any time in history, that surely has been important and so obviously apparent today. And it's very easy, you know, if you live and you are reasonably comfortably off, you have much of the things that this world can provide, that one can live in something of a cocoon, of a cocoon in thinking, well, I'm all right, basically. My friends are all right, basically. The society is all right, basically. And just not see. Just not have access or a sense of the globe, of the world, in its totality. And so we often find ourselves within a social setting and think, well, this is how the world is. And have no concept, no actual experience, which is touching one, of how it is for countless others in one's own country, in the third world, or how it is for the elderly, or how it is for the very young, or how it is for the unemployed, or how it is for the sick, how it is for the underprivileged. We may be, and we may be living in a cocoon thinking, well, I'm okay, my friends are okay, therefore it's okay. So uh, uh, developing an awareness in life is one which f- is towards freeing ourselves to some degree of our complacent conditioning and coming to an awareness in life which brings about action. So in the Buddhist tradition, if I may use it for a moment, in the the Buddhist tradition, the consummation of a human being expresses itself in wisdom and compassion. So any genuine transformation inside of oneself, any bringing about or opening up of one's consciousness, and all that is implied in that, has as its expression wisdom, which is seeing life and the realities of life and understanding, and compassion. And that is regarded, one might say, as the measure as the yardstick of a human being who is looking at life. 
That is the yardstick for it, for us. And if that is not manifesting in our life or not truly developing in life, somewhere or other we're missing the point of meditation, of spirituality, of the religious experience. So what about this weekend? What about the rhythm of the day? What's, what's the outline, the, the general flow of the activities or non-activities, whichever way you want to put it, uh, here? <coughs> the meditation itself. <coughs> I sometimes feel that the word meditation itself is a rather troublesome concept. Um, it tends to bring um, to, to mind for quite a few people a kind of um, image of being blissed out. And so one feels, well, I think I'll go to Pleasant Street, seems a good name, and, um, <laughs> and see if I can get blissed out for a weekend makes a change from being hassled. And there is this kind of concepts which are uh, present, and it tends to show itself in the, in the East. Those of you who have ever been to um, uh, uh, India, particularly in the Hindu tradition, the names of the yogis or the swamis they always have the surname Ananda. Then you just put anything word you like, but the, but the uh, latter part of it is, is always ananda, and the ananda means, means joy. The, the um, Hindu scholars often will translate this as bliss. And as a result of, as a result of the frequency of use of this particular concept, we often notice that whenever a photograph is taken of a Hindu Swami or one of the gurus, they've always got an enormous smile on their face because it's quite essential that they look blissed out because their name is Bliss and you can't look miserable <laughs> like, like that. It's not good for the public image. Um, and, and, and Buddhism, which is kind of sometimes I feel has gone to the other end of the spectrum and speaks so much about dukkha which means suffering and unsatisfactoriness and difficulties and, and problems so the photographs that you see of these Buddhist monks they don't exactly look miserable um, but they have a kind of stoic grim look about them <laughs> and the most positive thing one can say is they're trying to be equanimous <laughs> So I think between these two extremes, we might be able to pilot a middle way. <laughs> but this the Buddhist will send me to hell for saying that. <laughs> so practice itself and, and the field of, field of meditation is not such about getting um, emerged in, 
Ananda or emerged in Dukkha, but rather looking at and observing and being aware. And so the, these are, I would say, rather interchangeable concepts here. And I rather like the, the root meaning of um, the, the, the concept meditation in, in the Tibetan Mahayana tradition. Um, meditation means to be familiar with, to be in touch with. And so the meditations here are, as I've already mentioned a number of times, all about being in touch with oneself, being aware. And to help facilitate that, we simply employ as a rather, whatever, expedient tool, some method and technique. And so the day itself <coughs> is divided up between sitting meditation, that sitting and observing, <coughs> in this case the breathing as the initial tool, and walking meditation with the tool being the contact of the feet with the ground. These, these two, the sitting and the walking. And so the day itself, from the time, the beginning of the day, more or less with um, some light relief through the through the meals, more or less goes through the day of sitting and walking. And it's conducted and held in silence through the, through the course of the day to maximize the time of being right with ourselves to see how we are. And that silence and that meditation which truly belongs to a, a long-standing contemplative tradition over um, thousands of years, is such that it contributes towards this giving of renewal and the use of the breath as a simple tool, again, to observe. And so easily, isn't it, that we, we get quite out of touch with ourselves and even something like the breath, which is an essential, indispensable element, life element, we have no connection with it. And no feeling, no, no, no response to it. And we can spend so much time immersed in our thoughts and in our ideas and in our conceptual framework that some of the more basic elements of life, essential elements of life, we do not sense, we do not feel, we do not experience, we get, we get out of touch with. And there's an enormous danger in our computerized, technologicalized society that, they, that that becomes so exaggerated, has its place, but it can get so exaggerated that we lose touch with something else. not only with the basic life elements, but with the deeper inner experiences, with the feelings towards life, with our sense of connectedness with life, and all that is implied that comes out of that. So basically, we take one element of life, air element, we give attention to it, 
We just experience breathing in and breathing out and renew our attention. It gives a certain training and development for our mind to observe something in a sustained and full and caring way. Through that we become aware of the distractions that we engage in and the, and the projections and the fantasizing and the conceiving of ideas and this, that and the other. And we bring the attention back just to breathing, just to being right here, right now. So that throughout the weekend there is a the regular refrain of reminders of being right here, right now, here's where life is. So that our past, whatever it may be, and our future, whatever it might be, is seen in its context. It's seen in its relevance to what the present is. And if we can keep in touch with the present in a full and clear way, then we'll have a balanced perspective on our past and a balanced perspective on the future. But if we're not in touch with the present, it's pain all the way down the line. So the breathing is a, a tool to be much more registered here and now. With the breathing, there's the giving of care and attention to the posture, to the sitting meditation. And the basic guideline for that is very simple, that when sitting in meditation, that the back is reasonably straight and upright, whether one uses a stool or a chair or a cushion, that doesn't matter at all, it's just purely personal choice. But if the back is reasonably straight and upright, some feeling of expansion in the chest and the stomach area, all of this contributes to that little extra alertness and sensitivity with regard to the breathing. Tomorrow morning I'll give a short uh, talk and I'll speak uh, more length and detail about the meditation, about working with the posture, about the breathing and so forth. So the general guideline is sitting reasonably still, straight posture, attention to the breathing, the air element going through the nose, down into the lungs, the lungs expanding on the in-breath and contracting on the out-breath, just being in touch with the whole breathing process. Keeping the body as reasonably still and, and steady as possible. And going alongside the sitting meditation is the walking practice, the walking meditation. And the walking meditation is not um, purely a, a relief from the uh, 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 arduous um, sittings, or they can seem like, seem like that, but it's very much an integral part of the meditation practice. And the walking meditation is done alone, it can be outdoors, in the corridor, in one's room, anywhere except right here in the meditation hall. And it's a walking meditation of same message, being here and now, being in touch with what you're actually doing here and now, 
with the primary focus being given to the attention of the feet making contact with the ground, with the earth, with the floor. So oneself as a living organism moving through the environment and one is experiencing just step-by-step -step activity. Feeling yourself as a human being, your foot touching the floor. Making that connection with the earth. When we begin the day, tomorrow morning, which um, um, the day starts uh, early, that is, uh, we start at 5.30 tomorrow morning, the timetable is put up on the notice board. Sometimes one hears, you know, I can, which I can well appreciate, you know, at 5.30 it can seem extraordinarily early. I think sometimes one can get this into perspective. You can be grateful it's not Zen here. It might be 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> or, or you can just be grateful that um, you didn't um, just fly from uh, England today because I'm giving this talk at seven minutes past three in the morning. So, <laughs> so in coming here, we start the day at um, 5.30. And the first 45-minute period of the day is um, an exercise period in whatever form you feel is uh, useful and appropriate for, for you. So some people like to do some um, yoga or tai chi or jogging or dynamic meditations or whatever. It is something to help get the energy flowing and preferably you know, a little bit more than just turning over in one's sleeping bag. <laughs> um, this is considered below minimal level <laughs> and from 5.30 until um, till 6.15 then at 6.15 we have the first group sitting of the day from 6.15 until 7 o'clock and as is um, uh, customary at least for myself I play a, a piece of music I don't actually play the music <laughs> You'd all be going home after breakfast if I was. Um, <laughs> but there's a piece of music is played, and this is a, a listening meditation. And the point is with the music, it is one really for total listening. And so easy and so frequently in life, we never really give full attention to listening to anyone, to ourselves or to music or whatever. So for the first 15 minutes or so, a piece of music is played, just total listening. And one isn't concerned in listening with, or so much with, whether one likes the music or whether one doesn't like the music. It's almost an, an additional factor, an additional response or reaction. Primary is fullness of listening, and when the mind again wanders and drifts away, back to that total listening, total attention, which is the real key to transformation, clarity. And then after 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so, music ends, and then go back to the breathing for the next um, 25 minutes or so. Then at breakfast time, 
that's at 7 o'clock until 8 o'clock, then that's followed by a work activity. And the work activity, part of it, of, of course, is that it enables one to do, engage in some activity in a mindful and meditative way. And, and also, with a centre such as IMS here, it's run very much on the lines of service. Very much indeed that the, the staff and the board and the teachers come here to provide a, a service to people. And this service expressing itself in countless ways, all by people who have meditated and who feel a connection to it and wish to contribute to the welfare of others. All of the services which are provided here in many ways helps to keep, major thing, the daily cost as low as possible. So each time anybody is doing any kind of work here, this voluntary work here, providing this service, really helps to keep the costs down. And there's a real care and concern in, in this regard. So each day is part of that, and it's the same with our retreat centre um, in England, that the each time um, there's a set aside once a day for some work. And please engage in that in a mindful and caring way, both for one's own practice and, of course, as a contribution to the welfare and benefit of everyone else. <coughs> so you'll see when you uh, leave the room here, there's the timetable on the notice board with the day very much a day of mindfulness, silence, meditation. And then there are periods, and there'll be periods tomorrow and on, on Sunday, when I meet with you. And the way, because of the number of people that this is uh, being done, is that I'll see a, a group of you together. And that will be in the library. And so please, sometime after breakfast tomorrow, please check on the notice board to um, just check the time today, meet with some of you. Some of you will be seeing um, tomorrow and others of you on Sunday. So over this weekend, via the, the group, I'll have the uh, opportunity to meet with you. And that's mostly those times to clarify about the meditation and the practice and so forth. That's the second aspect. And the third aspect of the retreat <coughs> includes the, the talks. And these talks, the talks on meditation and the practice, basically to shed a little bit of light on what we are doing here. There will also be on a Sunday morning a, a question and answer session, all hopefully to keep things as clear as possible. And tomorrow morning, during the middle of the morning, I'll give a talk just with the meditation practice itself and endeavour to answer as many of the questions as possible. And if you feel that you need more um, fuller explanation and going into it more to get a sense of the meditation, just leave me a note on a notice board. But hopefully there will be for you sufficient number of uh, instructions and 
reminders with regard to the practice, to the meditation, for you to develop and get a, a sense of it over this weekend. But as I say, for those of you who are here for the first time, who have never engaged in meditation um, before, meditation is basically a has the same meaning here as mindfulness, as observation, as being conscious, being aware, being attentive. It's that moment-to-moment -moment, uh, observation, in this case, referring in the present time to the breathing. Being mindful and conscious, observing. Breathing in, breathing out, becoming more steady through that. Checking the body regularly for relaxation in the posture, just breathing in, just breathing out, being focused. And let us see where that develops. While here too, please, um, please don't engage in any um, uh, writing, uh, reading. These again areas which have their place and much value of course. But just in the time here, minimizing the externalization of oneself, maximizing the internalization. And so that by just dropping these things over this weekend, to gives us a chance just to be still, be alert. And then through that, all of these sayings and statements of the sages, of the past, of the present and the future, and all that one has felt to be some expression of wisdom and compassion in life, becomes readily available to everybody. It's practice, it's being aware, it's getting in touch, and it all comes clear. So let's in our weekend here together give full care and attention to it. Out of love for our planet, love for our friends, love for life itself. It's important. May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live in peace and harmony.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.